my DNA from above the water and below the surface. It's who I am. Join me as I travel the world in search of the most insane fishing experiences on the planet. You got it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big fish right there, Al. Yeah, baby. the size of it. G'day and welcome to Al McGlashan's podcast. Now, we are up to number 12. This is a dozen that we're up to. We started with humble beginnings. We went through to the most influential images. Number three, Marlon Magic. Kings to Deer. That was good fun, actually. I enjoyed that. Then the lovely Mary O'Neill. Then Yellowtail Kingfish, which has always been popular. It's interesting to see how many people are into that. And, of course, the amazing story of the Southern Bluefin Tuna, which goes straight into the doco, which is coming out... What's that? we got the premiere on the 6th of November. And then, of course, goes to TV on the 16th of November on Channel 9. Swordfish Secrets with Richie Abella. You know, Rich, you're good on, you're good on TV and you're bloody good on radio. Everyone loved it. And then there was, number nine was Aussie Snapper Tricks. You know what? I did get a couple of people say they wanted more technique and less political. And I know I get political, but we've got to do it to protect our fish. But the good news is I listen. And I'm going to go through, because we're talking flathead this week, I'm going to go through the details of catching flathead, the intimate details of floodies, uh, just as I did for yellowfin. That was always popular, especially this year. How's the yellowfin season been off New South Wales? Nothing short of insane. And of course, number 11, Sydney Harbour. I do love that place. And yes, I did get political in that one. So this month, this week, today, we are talking flathead. Now, do you know, my first ever fish I caught was a flathead. Down in Port Phillip Bay there, handline. I think I actually went through this earlier on in one of the earlier podcasts. But it was such an experience. They don't find that much, even on a handline. But to wind or to pull in a fish, and it was just a little sand flathead. Unbelievable. Absolutely amazing. And to this day... I reckon that's why I've got a soft spot for flatties because I always love catching flathead. Now I go and catch marlin and tuna and all these big fish around the world, but catching just a good old flathead is still a lot of fun. I do it in Sydney Harbour, as we spoke about in the last in, in um, episode 11, Sydney Harbour talked about catching flatties, and that's what prompted this whole one to do a special podcast just on flathead because they're hugely popular. You think of it, you can catch flathead right around this country. From one end to the other, you can catch flathead. In fact, only just recently, we were filming over at Exmouth. Now, Exmouth on the west coast for everyone overseas. West coast of Australia, halfway up, unreal spot. Amazing marlin fishing, golden trevally, GTs, bonefish, everything. And you know what we caught? Eddie, our mate, who runs a charter over there, who's an absolute gun. He ended up just catching the biggest marlin in the uh, Australia, biggest blue marlin, I should say, in Australia. First one over a thousand pounds. And we went out with the guys from Halco and we're out there catching all these awesome fish. And what does Eddie catch? A bloody flathead. So you know what? You can catch them anywhere. In fact, the best part 
is that's actually going in the episode. So season, what are we up to? Season seven of Fishing with Mates goes to air later this year on Channel Nine. Then it's on Sportsman's Channel in the US and World Fishing Network. And I'm not sure what we're doing in Europe, but I'll find out. And what do we do? Eddie catches a flathead. I don't think he'll be too ready. I don't think you'll be too happy about this, but sorry, Eddie, but man, it looks good. Us Victorians, we love Flathead or ex-Victorians. So now let's look at Flathead. They're hugely popular. You think of it, you've got the Gold Coast Flathead Classic, which has just run where I think they get hundreds of boats just for guys chasing and most importantly, releasing Flathead, the old dusky Flathead. And then you've got more comps down in, you know, Gippsland in Victoria and it's just an awesome species to catch. But did you know, and here's the facts, there are more than 40 species of flathead. That's right, there's 40 plus species. And I'm not gonna even pronounce their scientific name, the platycephalids family. Ah, they're the flathead family. And what's interesting though, is of all these species of flathead, there are only a couple that are really important to fishermen. So despite 40, 40 species, you've got sand flathead, tiger flathead, blue splot flathead, and of course the most popular dusky flathead. You think about it, that's all we chase as wreck anglers, and it's one of our most important species to catch, and yet we only worry about a few species. It's interesting, isn't it, you think about it. And now, what's really interesting is this is a species that everyone that's been mad keen everyone's been chasing for years and years and you know if you go into a into a uh into a fish shop have a look how expensive flatty tails are like they are seriously expensive and yet they're still popular as you still see lots of flathead so this is the important thing to me is that they're well managed on a commercial level Fish that are 40 bucks a kilo, 50 bucks I've seen in some places, you'd think they'd get a hard time. But no, commercially, and I'm talking around Australia, and this is federal or Commonwealth waters, not state waters. We've got a few problems in state waters in different states. Have a look at what's happened in South Australia with a snapper. Oh my God, you know. But managed well, we still catch lots of flathead. The point is, you go offshore and go and catch a few flatties, we can do it now just as well as we could when we were kids. So that is a well-managed fishery. Okay, let's look at flathead. Let's get off the politics. I promised I was not gonna talk too much about politics. They're a prehistoric looking thing, really. So flathead are found in all our sort of coastal and estuarine waters right around Australia. And there are some deep water oogly species out there way beyond the shelf as well. But we're not going into those because we don't chase them. And what I love, because they're a bottom dwelling fish, they're an ambush hunter. So they. They tuck into the weed or into the gravel or into the sand and hide and wait till the bait fish come up close and then nail them. And if you look at a flathead, they're perfectly designed. So their gills actually bow right up round to the back of their head. So when they're buried in the sand, obviously the whole bottom section, you can't breathe through it. They've got that little bit up the top they can breathe through. I mean, they really are engineered perfectly for this stuff. Then they can change their color and, you know, Trying to see a flathead when it's tucked into the sand is unreal. They can literally blend in with their environment and disappear because that's how they hunt. They sit there tucked in, as soon as a prawn, a shrimp, squid, whatever comes past, they explode out and hit it. And this is really important. We're gonna go into this later on because this is about techniques. 
understanding that is essential for chasing these fish because I'm going to go into it a little bit now. Because if you cast, and say you're using lures or something, and you're fishing for them, but you don't cast on his nose, is he going to give up his spot to nail that bait or lure or whatever you've got? You know, because once he's done it, he's got to go and resettle and then sit back and wait for something to come past. So this is why it's so important to understand the fish you're chasing, to know, especially with flathead, you need to get that lure right on his nose, like right on his nose, and you'll eat it. There you go. See, it's all about techniques. So they're bottom-dwelling species. They bury themselves um, environment-wise. They're in the sand. They're in the gravel. They're in the weed, all these sort of things. And if you want to see some really good photos of them underwater, jump onto my Instagram, Al McGlashan. In fact, actually, even the YouTube channel's got a couple as well. And you can see these awesome fish underwater. Like, they are just, oh, they're awesome. Even when they sit above the water. So even when they sit above the bottom, so when they're not buried in, even when they're sitting above, not above water, obviously, they're in trouble if they're doing that. They're sitting there and you can see them, but they still change their color. They don't do it as well as an octopus, but they still look awesome. So what do they eat? Well, they're opportunistic feeders. Being ambush hunters, they just sit there and wait and pretty much know whatever comes along. Could be white bait, could be shrimps, prawns, crabs, octopus, garfish in shallow water, you know, squid, you name it. They pretty much have a go. Can you hear that bloody dog in the background? All right, let's look at some of the species. Tiger flathead. Now, they're distinguishable because they've got those deep, I suppose, fangs at the front. They're kind of like a tiger, I suppose. Not really, but, you know, and they've got a couple of those. Now, they're a deep water fish. They can be found in 20 metres, but this is generally the southern end of their, their range, which is down in Tassie and all that, because they're found from pretty much the bottom end of Tassie all the way up to northern New South Wales and across through South Australia and all through there. But up in, say, New South Wales and my home waters, they're generally out in deep water, say, 50 metres plus. They're a really, really good eating fish. I love eating them. And places like Victoria, where you go out and fish for them there, you go out in Bass Strait, there's tons of them. It's a really, really strong fishery. And because you get them up to sort of 70 centimetres, they're a good size fish for eating as well. Because sometimes, you know, sand flatter, which we're going to go into in a minute, a smaller one, the fillets are smaller, that's a real, you know... Yeah, they're not as good. So what's interesting is they're slow growing. 30 centimetres takes them four years. So they're barely even legal in four years. And, you know, when you bear in mind that they can reach 70 centimetres, not a bad effort at all. So, but they're also, what's really interesting is they're not mature until they're around that 30 centimetre mark, so four years. So this is why it's important to let them go. And because they don't suffer barotrauma too badly by the looks of things, they're a good one for letting go. Sand flathead. They have to be the most common species of all. I remember that's what I caught as a kid, you know, in Port Phillip Bay, catching sand flathead. But there's actually a number of species of sand flathead because that's why we've got 40 species. You've got the northern sand, the deep water, and of course, the common sand flathead, which is Port Phillip Bay. There are shallow water fish, um, South Australia, all through these sort of, you know, up into southern New South Wales. And do you know what? I still forget to turn my phone off. Can you believe it? Even after this, my 12th podcast, and I still don't remember to turn my phone off. I tell you what, 
sometimes I worry about myself. All right, sand flathead. So there's four species before I was rudely interrupted by my... Oh my God. Now, sand flathead. Do you know there's a number of species of sand flathead? I suppose that helps to make up those 40 species, or 40 species plus of flathead. You got the northern sand, you got the deep water, and you've got the common sand flathead, which is predominantly a bay and coastal species found around much of the country, or the southern half mostly anyway. Now, what's really interesting, it was the sand flathead, that was the first fish that I ever caught in Port Phillip Bay. And they're prolific in areas like Victoria and South Australia to a lesser degree, top end of Tassie, thick as thieves through that area. Bass Strait, my God, there's heaps of them in there too. And they're an interesting species. So the common sand flathead actually goes right up to mid-New South Wales, I think, from memory, and around to Perth, and including Tasmania. I think it's a whole lot. I think, you know, yeah. Whilst the northern sand flathead mirrors that on the top half of the country. So you could say the common, common at the bottom end, northern at the top end. Now, they're a great fish for, they're easy to catch. There's millions around. They grow for around eight years, which is interesting. But do you know what? They still only grow to a couple of kilos. So they're one of the smaller flathead. They're good eating fish. They're easy to catch. In fact, in recent times, what's been really interesting for me is I do a lot of, you know, as a kid, I've always spearfished in Port Phillip Bay. And in the last few years, I've been taking my kids down and spearing. And it used to always be a fish called yank flathead, which I'll go into a bit later on. But recently, you know what we're seeing in there? Sand flathead. The sand flathead turning up. And bear in mind, I'm 40 plus years old now. 45. Wait, 46. Shit, 46. And in that time, I've been pretty much doing it since I was, I don't know, five or six, I suppose, seven or eight. So in the last 40 odd years, that we'd never saw sand flathead in there. Now they're in there. So it's interesting how things are changing in the world, you know, or how in the oceans, I should say. All right, let's get to the big one. Let's stop just talking about all the bits and pieces and let's go to the big boy, the dusky flathead. This is, without doubt, the one species that everyone loves to catch. Now, they're found right along the east coast from northern Queensland, pretty much all the way down to Victoria, pretty much at Wilson's Prom. That's where they stop. And they are the biggest, bar none. They get called estuary crocodiles because, do you know what? They can grow in excess of a metre long, which means they're a real shovel of a head by that stage, and over 14 kilos in weight. Like, how is that for a species? Like, that is a monster. Absolutely awesome fish. Sadly, I've never caught a metre flathead. I've wanted to. I've seen them underwater, but I've never caught one. We've been... We haven't been that good looking after estuaries because they're mainly an estuary and inshore species, mainly estuaries. In fact, they're probably one of the biggest fish in the estuaries apart from sharks and and dewfish, you know. And we net our estuaries and we do a few silly things, which has taken these older, mature fish out. So there's still lots of flathead, don't get me wrong, but we've taken the big ones out. And what's great is recreational anglers now let all the big flathead go. And they're pretty good fish for that style of, you know, they survive very well, they're tough, they can handle catch and release. So they're a good fish for that. So... It's one species that I think that we could be could be doing more for. Let's get more big fish there. And you've got places like St. George's Basin's down on the south coast of New South Wales, which is wreck only, which it's full of big flathead. And the great thing is most of them are let go. Like, I couldn't kill them. I went down there and filmed years ago, and we, we end up, I think we got them up into the 70s, and they're tagging them in there. And, yeah, it's a great thing, you know. 
in Victoria you used to have Malakuta used to be a gun spot, but I remember being down there and watching them kill them all. And I went, you can't be killing these big fish. When my brother was a fisheries officer, the other fisheries officer was killing them. Can you believe that? Why would you kill big ones? Let them go. Nothing wrong with keeping the small mid-range for eating. Big ones, big breeders, let them go. Okay, I've got, I've stopped. I'm not going any more political. It's going back to what we should be doing. So now they breed in the lower reaches normally in the spring, in, when it warms up. As soon as it starts warming up, they're into it. And all your big, big flathead or all your big duskies are all females. There are no males whatsoever. So once they hit eight years of age, they're all females. And I think the males only grow to, I think it's around 40 centimetres. I don't think they grow much bigger than that from memory. If I'm wrong, send in a message and tell me. But I reckon they only grow to that because all the big ones are all females. So they're those big egg carriers that we want to look after. And quite often you get, when they're, um, when they're in spawning mode, you get a single big female and a whole bunch of the young little boys chasing around. It's kind of like a good-looking girl at the pub, isn't it? It doesn't change. Good-looking girl dressed up to the hill and all the boys will be following around. And you see that, and I see that a lot diving. See this big one and then all the little males following around like all eager for a shot. Yep, all males are the same. Now I should explain what a flathead is. In the US, a flathead is a catfish. And in some areas, I think they're flounder as well, or halibut, or, you know, flat fish. But a flathead in Australia is an endemic species, I suppose. They're, they're pretty much, you can't find them anywhere else but Australia. Um, I suppose similar species would be a lizard fish. Um, what else is similar? Not really anywhere else do you get them. So we're talking about the Aussie flathead. It's not a flounder, it's not a halibut, and it's not a catfish. It is an Aussie flathead. So just want to get that clear before we go any further because we get lots of, lots of people get confused with different species. You've got Spanish mackerel in Australia, which is like a king mackerel in the US. And then you've got Spanish mackerel in the US, which are more like a school mackerel in Australia. So just get it clear. A flathead is a big, well, it's kind of similar to a flounder and a halibut, not really like a catfish. It's an Aussie species. There we go. Just putting it out there, just getting it sorted so everyone understands the Aussie flathead. All 40 species of them. When it comes to flathead, they're obviously not super mobile creatures. Well, that's what you'd think. But a couple of tagged fish, because they've been tagging. Uh, now, I think it's mainly up in Queensland. They've been doing a lot of tagging with flathead. And I know that I've done some down in St. George's Basin. They do actually move around a bit. Because one fish they tagged in Queensland moved more than 200 kilometres south in just 97 days. Now, when you look at a flathead, let's face it, he's not hardcore, you know, long-range swimming. That's a massive effort. So it does show there is some probably some north-south movement, which I bet you would link to the EAC, the East Australian Current. So as that water gets too hot up north, that they slowly move south. Now, that would bring us to the next thing, that Queensland's fish, because as the waters war as the oceans are warming up, because there are too many people on Earth that we're basically overpopulating it. It's that's what global warming is: too many people using up all the resources. It's not something environmental and stuff, and all these idiots carrying on about. There are too many people. We're just using up all the resources. We want too many comforts. So those flathead, more importantly, will be moving south. So New South Wales will probably see, and if they did more tagging, I bet you'd find more fish are moving south. Interesting scenario, though, isn't it? You know, 
New South Wales is benefiting from Queensland. So, and I forgot my phone again. How about that? Bloody hell. Do you think I'm ever going to learn? I'm up to my 12th podcast and I still leave my phone on. By the way, that was you, audio that did that, texting me in the middle of it. Not my fault, I'm innocent. Okay, back to the flatties. Now, there's a really interesting fact. So with your dusky flatted up the East Coast, they supposedly stop at Wilson's Prom down in Victoria. That's the cutoff. So you catch some Eastern Victoria, but on that point, they stop. Now, the interesting thing is I've caught them in Port Phillip Bay, and a lot of people think they've caught lots of them, but they're actually yank flatted. So a yank flatted looks like a dusky, doesn't grow as big, but it basically starts the, what's that, the western side of the prom, dusky stop on the eastern side. So that's theoretically the cutoff. However, I've caught sort of four and a half kilo dusky flatted in Port Phillip Bay, and I've seen a few caught over the years, but the predominant species we catch obviously is the yank flathead, which look really similar. So it's interesting, isn't it? Little things like that, there's little changes, and then you've got blue spots further around. So for a lot of those guys that think they're catching dusky flathead in Port Phillip Bay, most of them are actually yank flathead. Okay, flathead are a bottom dweller. They camouflage themselves, they sit there in ambush, you know, and wait for the prey to come to them. So with that in mind, the bottom that they like, the bottom terrain they like is gravel, weed beds, mud beds, sand flats, anywhere that they can bury in a bit and tuck in and camouflage themselves so obviously the bait comes close. So you don't find them on heavy reef as a general rule, like kelp beds and places like that, because think about it geographically or I suppose structurally speaking would be a word to look at it, is that if they park on the bottom in the kelp, the kelp's too long. They're not going to race up and ravening. So when you're fishing, you want to look, you want to use the sound up and get onto those flatter areas that are gravel, you know, a bit of a ledge is all fine. If you do fish heavy reef, fish the edge where it comes to the sand. And I've got some great shots one day where I was diving around some kelp and there's all these big flathead sitting just on the edge of the kelp, on the gravel, on the shale beds. You know, so they do come close, but again, they still want to bury themselves. They want to conceal themselves. It's really thinking about logically. Are they going to go and bury themselves in a spot where there's no bait? No. Are they going to leave themselves exposed where the bait won't come to them? No. So when you're chasing fish like flathead, really understand and simplify how it works. Really simply, they want to bury themselves in a spot where the prey will come past within reach and won't know they're there. So they love gravel, you know, because it breaks up the bottom. They can conceal themselves well. They can sit there and snap it up. You know, it's little things like this that play a massive role in becoming a better fisherman. Of course, above all else, you need the bait. If there's no food there, there's going to be no flathead there. It's that simple. They don't just sit there for the sake of it. It's the same as us. If you go into the food court, you get fed. Are you going to stand at the other end of the shopping centre if you're hungry? No, you're going to go to the food court. So you, as a fisherman, need to go to the food court or the flathead food court, as we could call it. I just made that up. Can you believe that? I just came up with the flathead food court. Man, I'm good. So, yeah, so it's all about understanding ambush and thinking about that way. So offshore, you're going to use your sounder a lot. You're going to look at the bottom, and that's where a good sounder will help really show that bottoms and just identify, you know, light weed, gravel, shale reef, anything like that with a flathead you're going to stack up. 
And one thing that's really important, if you catch a few flathead, mark the spot. Because generally speaking, you'll get them the same area. So if you go past it and do another drift, come back through, quite often when you come back years later, the same area at the same time of year will generally hold fish. So there is a very important little tip. Now, there is one thing that's critical for flathead, and that's depth. Depth is not relevant at all. Yep, it's not relevant. So you can catch a metre-long flathead, like a big dusky, in 30 centimetres of water. I remember years ago, I was fishing down at uh, down in the Gippsland Lakes there, and we're walking across the flats, and we're fishing the edges, we're fishing down into the deep drop-offs, didn't catch a fish. And one of our friends cast up in the shallows, and I'm talking 15 centimetres of water, hooks up a bloody great flathead. And then we went, wait a minute. The, to make a long story short, we then went and fished up in the shallows. So instead of casting the deep edges where you think they're going to be, they're all right up in the shallows. And that's where the bait was. When we looked at it, all the bait was up there. And then we realised all the fish were up in the shallows the whole time. They weren't out in the deep water. They were tucked up in the little like sand areas. Now, there were two things. The bait was there, but it was also coming out of winter. So the temp had warmed up. So they were the warmer areas. So the flathead were tucked away up in there in the warmer areas. So not the traditional spots. So this is where it's really important when you're flathead fishing is to always cover all the ground because sometimes we don't pick it. And as I said, you can get some massive fish in shallow water. So don't think it the old theory, deeper water, bigger fish, because you can go out and fish in 50 metres and catch a 30 centimetre sand flathead or go and fish in 10 centimetres of water and potentially catch a metre long big estuary crocodile dusky flathead. So it's all about for flathead, the key is bait and the right structure that they want to hide in. These are the critical parts for catching fish. So if there's one thing you can do is get a mask and snorkel and go for a swim. It is amazing how much I've learned about flatties by swimming around and where I see them. I remember I was down at Bermagui years and years ago, couldn't go offshore fishing, the weather was too rough. Like, oh man, we've got to go inshore i thought oh i'm gonna go for a dive and i dive just down the river open you know bit of bit of gravelly bottom and stuff i saw a meter flathead saw two of them just out in the open middle of nowhere no one ever fishes there not gonna say exactly where i was but it was right in front of everyone and here's this massive flatty just sitting there how good is that but you also start to get learn a bit about the terrain they like the areas they like where they're sitting, what they're doing, where they sit compared to the structure. So if you're in an estuary and there's a bit of weed, you can see they're sitting in behind it or in front of it, to the side of it. So when you're casting those lures in or casting those baits, you know exactly where to go because with a flathead, you must put it on his nose or her nose, depends on the size. If you don't get it right in close, the chances... So the further away you get, the less the chance. If you put it right on their nose, they love it. They nail it all the time. They can't help themselves. And if you don't like going for a swim and doing it that way, walk the sand flats at low tide. Like the bigger the tide, the better. The, and look for the diamonds. So flathead leave a diamond where they've been sitting. So where you find those, you go, ah, oh, right, that they've been sitting there. And here's a really good trick. Now this one, write it down because it's that good. If you walk across the flats at low tide, look which way the diamond's facing. If it's pointing upstream, it means the fish have been feeding on a run out tide. 
if it's facing downstream, the time they've been sitting there is the run-in tide because they'll always face in the current. So there's a really simple observation that can tell you when those fish are sitting there. These are the points that make you a better fisherman and catch you those big flatted, like the metre one that I still haven't caught. So yeah, walking the flats, it's all about doing your homework. If you walk the flats, you know, even if you take the dog for a walk, you walk out and see all these big flatted have been sitting there, you go, oh, hang on, they've all been sitting out here and look at it, work out, so it run out tired, and you think, well, they're pretty fresh, so last of the run out, they've been sitting here. Come back on that last of the run out the next day, chances are you might get a shot at them. Now, this brings us to another one, is water temperature. Floodies slow down in winter. As soon as that water starts picking up, right now, coming into spring, temperature goes up and the fish are on. It's game on in New South Wales. And it's no coincidence that way down in Victoria or South Australia or Tasmania even, Tassie's probably the best example, the best fishing is during the summer months when it's warmest, when that water warms up, even for fish offshore. So as it warms up, they're on the go. These are the things that are really important for how we fish. Fish the summer, so as that temperature goes up, they go off. So New South Wales now is prime time for big flatties. Absolutely hunky-dory, get out there right now. Further south, it's coming into the zone because it's still warming up. So yeah, water temperature, increasing water temperature is game on. All right, let's get into flatty techniques. Let's talk about catching them. It's taken me a while, but you see what I've been talking about is those little things that you learn about them because it doesn't matter how good your techniques are, if you're not fishing where the fish are, you're not catching them. So that's why I go through all these things, understanding the fish. Know how they think, where they want to be, what times the tides, you know. And as I said, it wasn't, it's not just the estuaries either, it's the beaches as well that play a really important role. Running tide, they're sitting there, you know, with this tide, and it's probably worth touching on it. On a run out tide, they'll sit around the little gutters and stuff because the bait's funneling and the bait's channeling into these spots and concentrated, so it's an ambush. The bait has to go past them. So with the tides, it really is essential. And it's not just in the estuaries, it's on the beaches as well, because, you know, when the tide's running out, they're sitting in those gutters. And it's the same, you think up in the estuaries, these big dusky flathead, there's a little channel running off the edge of, you know, the mud flats. They're all concentrating around it because all the bait's concentrated and coming out, it's forced off the flats at that time. And it's, you know, this is really important. You need to understand these things. On the beaches, there's a gutter there. They're all sitting on the edge of the gutter because the bait's starting to, you know, as the tide goes out. But again, on the run-in tide, they're sitting up in spots where the bait has to go past them. So it's all about those ambush points where they, where they get the most likely chance of food coming to them. They're no different from us. The easier it is, the better it is. It's, you think of barramundi fishing, which up in the Northern Territory in Queensland, which is our version of a snook for everyone in the U.S., they sit at a channel or a gutter that's pouring back in off the floodplains. All the predators sit there. You've got birds and everything. And that's a key. If you're, in a, if you're going up a river and the tide's running out and the little creeks there, like little, you know, channels running in off the main flats, if there's one with birds on it, like egrets and stuff, cast there. Because you know what? Birds are a sign offshore, but they're just as big a sign up on the, up on the flats, up in the you know, up in the creeks, whether it's way up north, down south, because they're chasing the same bait the flathead are. And of course, if you see bait flicking, you know, jelly prawns or bait fish flicking around, that's as good a sign as any. Okay, let's get into actually catching them. So the great thing with flathead is that 
look, they're easy to catch. There's no denying it. They're an easy fish to catch. They've got a big mouth. They're an ambush hunter. They don't think about it, and there's lots of them. So let's just get that out straight away. But you can catch them anyway. You can catch them on fly, lure, soft plastics, hard bullies, even on poppers they'll eat them at times. You can use bait, live bait, dead bait, padnoster rigs, everything. You name it, you can catch them. So the easiest way, the simplest way is with bait. Dead bait, use pilchards, anything like that. Padnoster rig, which is the two hooks above and then the sinker below, drifting along offshore. It's literally guaranteed for flatties in all areas. It's a really simple and great rig. And the great thing is, that sinker bouncing along the bottom, so the key is, I suppose, the most important part that I should say, is that you must be in contact with the bottom. If you're drifting along and your bait's five metres above the bottom, you're not going to catch any flathead. You are not going to catch any. So you want, as you do that drift, you want that sinker touching on the bottom. Because, you know, the other thing, that sinker bouncing along, kicking up a bit of dust and you know sand off the bottom, that attracts the flathead as well. And because you're drifting, you're covering more ground. You're covering the area where they are. So that's the important part for that side, that you you can do it. And the other thing that's probably worth mentioning there is attention to detail with your rigs. So if you just, you know, you use those three-way swivels and obviously just to help minimise spin and twist in your line, I mean, you can just tie it with, a, you know, loop knots and all that as well, but I like to use swivels. The most important thing is that you rig the bait so that it doesn't spin. If it spins, you don't catch it. It's really weird. It doesn't matter how you fish or what you fish for. If the bait spins, doesn't they don't eat it for whatever reason. Even a humble old flutter will probably turn it down. So when you do it, rig the bait so that it sits. You want it to drift perfectly through the water. You know, you don't want it spinning. You want it just floating or swimming or just, you know, it can go a little bit side to side. That's fine. So when you put your baits over the side, just check them. Just hold it by the bait for a second. And make sure that it's all working and it's sitting perfect and then drop it down and keep it in contact with the bottom. And as I said, if you get to an area and you catch a few flathead, this is talking offshore fishing, mark the spot and go back because in a year or, you know, you can do another drift because there's quite often more fish there, but keep going back to that spot. So it's a really interesting little point there that's well worth it. Now, when it comes to hooks, VMC wide gape or circle hooks, are the best bait for flathead. You don't gut hook them, you hook them in the mouth. They've got a big mouth so that they grab and they turn and it pins them perfectly in the corner. It is the only option, trust me, it is unreal. And that goes for big flathead in the estuaries as well. It's just easy way to do it and everyone goes bad on it. All right, live baiting for flathead. So bait fishing you can do in the estuary, you can do it offshore, burling them up as well, I should add. Live baiting catches you the big duskies. It used to be the technique, I think, today in this day and era that the soft plastics and the artificials and the hard body lures will outfish it, but it's still a really good technique. We used to use potty mullet and stuff years and years ago, catch them and then you you know hook them through the nose with a wide gate sort of VMC or something like that. But now you can use anything. Slimy mackerel, garfish. I don't think they really care. Prawns, they love prawns. So does everything, I suppose. And you pin it through the nose. But instead of using a padnoster rig, you can use a single padnoster rig, normally with a longer leader. The other technique that works really well is to run the main line down to a swivel with a sinker above the swivel and then a leader 
down to a single wide gate VMC hook at there. And that way, what happens is the, the sinker drags along the bottom very slowly because you want to do this very slowly. The bait swims just above the bottom, which is could not be better in the strike zone. And the only thing is, is that it'd be amazing how aggressive flathead are. Like a small flathead will quite happily nail the biggest bait it can. So if you want to catch the really big flathead, quite often the bigger baits work better because the little guys just simply can't get it in their mouth. But the trick is, and this is the essential part, is hook it through the nose so the bait can swim. Don't hook it through the back unless you're anchored. Always hook it through the nose so if you drift that it goes along and, you know. And remember, most importantly, flathead eat the bait head first. They don't have teeth to chop it in half like a wahoo or something. They eat it head first. So put the hook in the nose. You don't need stinger hooks. You don't need anything else. Just a wide gape through the nose of the bait. When it comes up and eats it, it'll swallow it head first. So it's important to give it a bit of time. And it's probably worth mentioning that if you're fishing those uh, uh, even baits as well, live baits, they just eat it. But if you're fishing bait, when you get a bite, it's a sort of a tap, 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 which I think is the fish just swallowing it down. And you don't need to take any time. When you're doing a live bait, give it a second or two to get it in its mouth. If you're doing just normal bait, just get straight into it and just lock it up on him and you're on. Okay, so we've covered off everything on flathead, except for the best way to catch them. And that is with lures. And I think part of this is because it's changed so much in recent years. Now, when I first started flathead fishing, yeah, the old Halco twisties, yeah, those little metal ones, great lure, but not the best one for flathead. Then they brought out the Mr. Twister. And I still remember this plastic when it first came out and it absolutely blitzed on flathead. Because you know what? It stays in contact with the bottom. Now you can troll for them, you can cast for them, you can jig for them. You even catch them on um, micro jigging. You can fly fish for them. You catch them on poppers. Every type of lure will catch flathead. So it's it's something that's, and it's a fun way because the great thing about catching flathead on lures is you're covering the ground. The more ground to cover, the more fish you're going to get your lures in front of, the more chance of a bite. So what techniques are there? Well, let's start with trolling. So trolling for flathead, you want deep diving lures that reach down towards the bottom. And what I'm saying is that you need to be in the strike zone, which in argument's sake would be... 30 centimetres to a metre of the bottom. That is your strike zone. Anywhere outside that, it's going to be too far for the flathead to chase it down. So I reckon, you know, deep diving lures like the Tilson. The old Tilson has always been deadly. And you troll along, you make, you want your lure quite often to bounce and hit the bottom. You will get weed on it. You will get it stagged occasionally. But if you're not getting fouled up, you're not in the zone. If you can get it perfect where it sits just above the bottom, just above the weed beds, absolutely perfect. Uh, I like to run a couple of different ones. So when we're trolling, you hand hold it. It's not in the rod holder, guys. You're trolling with your hand and you're twitching the lure. So it's stop, start, stop, start. And you can also feel it as it's going that if you get weed on it. Because the really weird thing is if you get weed on your lure, it does not work. It does not catch fish. It might still vibrate. But for whatever reason, the fish just go, I'm not eating it. And that's not just flathead, that's all species just seem to go, nah, not touching it. Even weeds eating fish wouldn't eat weed on a lure. So don't, it's just keep it in your hand, twitch it with like a light outfit, like a light Shimano spin outfit or a 
like Baitcaster is absolutely perfect for it. And Braid, especially Braid. You need Braid because you know what? You can feel your lure with the Braid. If you've got mono, it stretches out too much. If you get a bit of weed on it, it absorbs it in that stretch of the line, so you can't feel it. But if you've got Braid like Suffix 832 or something really good and fine, everything on that lure, you can feel it vibrating perfectly. So as soon as it gets weed caught on it, you can wind up and reset it. You can fish in shallow water. You can cover the ground. It's a really effective way to catch flathead. And it's fun. But for me, the best way is casting. I love casting for flathead. Now, you can walk along the shore. This is the beauty of flathead fishing. You can walk along the shore, casting out, flicking lures around in any estuary, especially in the southern half of the country, you'll catch flathead. Interestingly, over in the west, now I was over on the west coast there in West Australia, they don't seem to have the flathead in the estuaries like the rest of us do. I'm not sure why. Maybe because there's a lot less estuaries. Because if you go into New South Wales, every single estuary has flathead in it. There you go. Every single one. In Victoria, probably 90%, mostly all the eastern side do, but the western side seem to be a bit quieter there. Same as South Australia. They don't seem to be up in the estuaries. They seem to be in the bays a lot more there. But they're an inshore fish. You can walk the beaches and casting. You know, you can walk up the estuaries, walk along the sand flat casting. And just covering the ground. So you just want a, you know, a plastic or a hard body that you can get reach the distance and work it back up to you. It's a great way. And you know what great thing is? You can take the kids. You can do it while walking the dog, for God's sake. This is just perfect. You know, it's just unreal. And you can fish a lot of the same waters that the guys are trolling to. So it's really good. I mean, you can use a fly rod, for God's sake. You know, casting across there. It's just easy. And here in Sydney... You drive up, you know, you drive past places like Iron Cove and there are people in there casting, people running along the shoreline, you know, doing their morning jog or whatever, a morning chat to go to the coffee shop and here's someone casting, catching flathead in front of them. Bloody awesome. It's right on your doorstep. The best way and most effective way is casting from a boat. Now, when we've done trips in the past, you're drifting through... You're casting forward, you're casting downwind, using soft plastic vibes, hard body lures, anything that gets you down and keeps you in the strike zone. And the trick is, as you drift through, I like to watch my sounder and do it at the same time. So I'm watching the sounder to see how deep I am. You're casting as far out in front as you can. You're letting it sink down the bottom, then bouncing it back. I've had a few interesting things with this. Now, with plastics, they can work really well. So like your um, mad-eyes... Paddle prawn sits great. If it sits there, because quite often sit there and it's got that paddle tail, that just sits on the bottom. You don't even have to move it at times and they'll still eat it. Vibes work a treat as well, you know. It's just one of those things. The interesting thing with vibes actually is that when you do it quite often is that we've caught flathead and I'm not sure we've hooked them up underneath where you've pulled the vibe up, hit the bottom, and as you've gone to hit again, you've hooked up. And I think the flathead actually sit on it sometimes because we've hooked them quite often under the chin and underneath them. So obviously they don't realise. They've come over, seen it, and gone, where is it? And landed on it. So it's interesting with that. But with the plastics, every time the mouth. The trick is, and I should say this with the plastics, make sure you rig them right. So make sure you rig it so that hook is in line so the body is perfectly. Because if you don't and it's got a bend in it or something and it twists, Again, they won't eat it. It's no different from bait. If you don't get that right, you do not catch the fish.
It's these little bits that play such a big role. When it comes to leaders, you don't need real heavy leaders. The only problem you do get with flathead, so like I use that suffix stuff a lot, is that what you will get, if they swallow the lure, so if you're using small lures, you get a big flathead, bearing in mind, you know, their mouth is like 10 centimetres across on a big flathead, is that those teeth, they've only got small sort of sandpapery style teeth. So as they shake their head as they naturally do when hooked up, is that they're, they're chafing that line. That's the only thing you've got to watch for with a big flatty. It's a real problem with big flatties, actually, because they swallow it. If you've got them in the corner of the mouth, you're fine. But those big ones, and they really throw their head around, can be an issue. So lighter leader is better because it makes your lures work better. I don't think the flathead really care about it too much. But, yeah, you've got to balance it. So for me, 15 pounds normally really good. That'll still land you a good flathead so long as he hasn't swallowed it down too much. And when you're fighting those flathead, if you see it come up, Look where your lure is. If you've got a big one on, go, oh, I swallowed it. I've got to go real gentle. Oh, it's sitting on the corner. I can control it a bit better. Again, that's observation. And, of course, making sure those plastics are rigged right. Um, I often upgrade a lot of my hooks too. I'm going to – because a lot of the, like, cheaper vibes and all that, upgrade them to proper VMCs, those razor-sharp hooks. Because flathead are quite – if you get it in the mouth, it's really good. But on the outside, it's quite hard. And so if you want to get it, you want to get it around that bone so that it actually gets in. And I know it's a pain in the ass. I hate upgrading my hooks, but you know what? If you catch me that one bigger fish, bloody awesome. Uh, where are we up to? So now we're talking about the plastics. We're talking about casting. So my general technique is to drift along, trying to get into the right you know, area. So if, if I'm up an estuary along a channel edge, flicking lures in all directions, um, if you're on a flat, so some of those bigger sort of estuaries where it opens out into a bay and it's flat, you're just covering all the ground. Try and use different. So if someone's got a vibe on, someone else got a plastic, even hard bodies work really well, try and mix it up a little bit because sometimes they do get a little bit finicky and go, I'm only eating this, you know. Uh, but for me, generally your plastic, whatever gets you down and keeps you in that strike zone near the bottom is what really works. The other thing I find really important, I love a stop-style retrieve. So with plastics, with hard body lures, like, you know, a Tilson or something like that, or an RMG, those, you know, those those crazy deeps, the ones that go right down, is crank it down, get it down to the bottom so you're in the strike zone. Twitch it forward so that it moves. And I like those lures that have those bib lures with a big wide bib, which are really good for cod because they're nice and slow. They just waddle, almost waddle forward, I reckon. Yeah, waddle forward and then stop and then do it again. So what you want is when that lure stops, is they're looking at it and it's in there. And I love it when they suspend so they don't rise up. So those suspending ones that just sit there, that moment where it's sitting still and flat, it just goes bang. Same with the plastics. Cast it out, let it sink to the bottom, twitch it with the rod so don't wind the handle, wind up the slack line, so mend the line up. Lift the rod up, drop the rod down. As you drop the rod down, watch the line run out till it stops. When it stops, your bait's back on the bottom. Wind up the slack, then lift it again. So they're the really good, you know, little techniques because if you, you're working it back and jigging it back towards you and not checking it's on the bottom, you might be mid-water. And we quite often, we had a couple of weeks ago, a guy fishing with us and he was a newbie, didn't catch a single fish. We're catching like flathead and bram and every, every second cast. He didn't catch in. I said, stop, watch your line, let it go out. It's, so you're not near the bottom, let it hit the bottom. Okay, lift, 
Drop the rod down. Those little Zodias, those little Shimano Zodias are gold for it. They're great for light tackle. Drop down, hits the bottom. You see the line go out, stop. Right, lift, bang, he was on. That's how easy it is. You must be in that strike zone. And I can't tell you how important that is enough, that it has to be at all times you are in that strike zone. It's one of those things. And I'll keep going over and over again. You need to be in the strike zone. You need to be in the strike zone. Sometimes it's like talking to kids. You need to be in the strike zone. And if you're not, you're simply not catching fish. It's that simple. It's just, it's a no-brainer, guys. So, colours. Now, I would normally say that colours don't play a massive role, but I had an occasion where we were fishing down at St George's Basin. We had the guys there and we were filming away and fishing was really, really tough. It was bloody impossible. And we're fishing the edges, and I end up using a little coffee-coloured paddle brawn. I love the paddle brawns. You can't pick that, can you? And I went down a size because I saw a few jelly prawns carrying on and jumping around the surface. So I went down a size and ended up catching a heap of fish. Was it the colour or was it the the shape of the lure? Was it the size lure? I can't tell you. But it was that little coffee-coloured. It matched the hatch for the day, and that just ended up working. So, yeah, I've got nothing. I've got nothing about it. I don't know what it is. The important thing to take away from this is to experiment. So try one colour. If it doesn't work, try another one. Try some crazy bright coloured ones, you know. It's, yeah, it's one of those things. I do like imitations. I love prawn imitations when I'm in the estuaries because flathead can't resist themselves. They just love them, you know, and they're feeding on it. They're just absolutely dynamite so yeah look it's one of those things that yeah for me it's just really really match the hatch but always try new things try and think outside the box at the same time so yeah i've always caught them on this this prawn style lure so i'm going to try something different because so often something completely new that's how we come up with new techniques so always dedicate at least one bit of every day to trying new things uh jigging jigging catches a lot of fish now you can drift with your plastics or your vibes or even your metals and just bounce them across the bottom as you're drifting. So not casting out forward, just bounce them. And this works in estuaries, it works offshore, it works everywhere. Again, the key is to have a head on your plastic that's heavy enough that will sink down and get you in that strike zone. So if you're drifting faster, you want a bigger head, like a more lead to keep it down. This is all really basic stuff, but it's all really important. Again, if you're not in the zone, you're not going to catch flathead. So if you're not in touch with the bottom, you're not in the right spot. Get in touch with the bottom and you will catch more flathead. Okay, let's go into tackle because I don't normally talk about tackle. I've had a few people ask me about tackle. Favourite outfit, I keep getting asked this. Stratic C14, CI14, I think it is, the black and red one, and a Zodius rod or a... Shimano Lumas, absolutely long. Or if you want a cheaper outfit, those Shimano Jewels with a Nasi, I think it is. Nasi, Nasi reel? The gold ones anyway. They're bloody great little things. You don't need, this is the beauty in this day and age, you don't need to spend a heap on your tackle. And that's just spinning in the estuaries. Offshore heavier outfit because you've got more lead and, and all that sort of stuff, you know, you need to go a bit heavier. But spinning in the estuaries, you can do that. Because the great thing with an outfit like that, that's to say, a two to four kilo or a one to three kilo is you can use it for your flatties, your brim. Then you can go freshwater and trout fishing. It's so easy. If in doubt, 
Go and see the guys at Complete Angler. Now, for everyone overseas, Complete Angler is an Aussie chain of stores that you don't have in the US. It's not like it's like it's the Aussie version of Bass Pro Shops. There you go. Just with just not quite as big a population, but just as mad keen anglers running it. So for everyone in Australia, go and see the guys at the angler, your local angler store, and just ask them. Get some info because it's that local knowledge because they might even tell you some of those local little spots that no one knows about. Obviously, a pile of lures, plastics, hard bodies in some cases work really well. I like to have a real mix. Uh, definitely spin for me. Some of the guys do like the bait casters. For me, I prefer spin. But look, this is, again, a personal choice to your style of fishing. And braid, 832 suffix. I love that stuff. 10 pounds, normally good. If you go and get the lighter stuff, the lighter the better. Normally a 15 pound litre. I've been using the, again, the suffix fluoro, but mm, I don't know. I don't know if you really need fluorocarbon for them. The one thing I will suggest on that is that if you, each time you catch a flathead, check your litre. Check that little bit of litre, that first bit coming off. Because if you caught a flathead, even if you've lost one, if they've got and chafed you up a bit, you end up hooking that big one, you snap him off. Guaranteed. So each time you catch a fish or every few times you cast, if you miss a fish or something, just run your fingers up that first bit of line and if there's any abrasion whatsoever, cut it off and retie it. It is worth its weight in gold. Same with the hooks. If you catch a couple, you've got blies, you're letting them go, hooks bend out. It, if you bend them back, just check them and make sure that they're going to hold because once you bend them a couple of times, they snap or you snap them off when you shake a fish off, those sort of things. And then just have spare trebles. Of course, if you like meat, they do rust out. So have a few packs spare. And I like to put fresh ones on if I'm really making effort. Now, if you're keeping the fish. Now, when it comes to fighting flathead, they're not going to just smash you up in the bottom. They're not going to do it like a kingfish does or a GT or something. So the key is just go slow on them. A nice softer tip in the taper and the rod is what you want. So that, And as they shake those heads, those big ones... Just follow the fish with the shake. So as he shakes his head, drop the rod tip. Just to minimise the pressure on it, lift him, wind. Everything's in slow motion when flight when fighting a big flathead. Just bring him up steady, play it out. As he goes to run, drop the rod, let him go, point the rod at him, lift it up, and then slowly bring him up. Take your time on light tackle. You need to. Otherwise, you've got to check, as I was saying earlier on, about that chafing. If he's rubbing his lips over that thing with those sandpaper teeth, you're in trouble. These are the little things that are really important. When you get them up, you need a net because if you try and lift them in on, you know, 10, 15-pound lead, you're going to snap it. And you can't grab them because handling flathead, they've got those spikes on the gills. As soon as they get you, you damn near bleed to death from them. It's got that anticoagulant in it, so it just bleeds and bleeds. So a decent net's always good for lifting them up. I have been, and I will admit this, I don't carry a net in my boat. Can you believe this? I fish all the time and I don't carry a bloody net. Swear to God, sometimes I scratch my head over my own self. And I've actually had to, in the past, use those big fancy Yeti buckets and scoop a flat it up. I know, to, it sounds silly. They are actually bloody multi-talent. They are actually really good for it. But if you're serious about flatty fishing, get a net or a Yeti bucket, I suppose, if you want as well. Now, when you're handling flathead, when you get them on board, just watch those spikes. So there's a couple of spikes on the gills and, oh man, if they get you, the smaller ones like the sand flathead, they're huge. The bigger duskies, they're not as aggressive. But when they hit you, you don't stop bleeding. 
And the second thing is, with particularly with duskies, that line of teeth is quite hard. So when you lip grip them and put your thumb in against your forefinger on their lip, which is the way of holding them, if they shake, they can cut through pretty hard. You can realise how sharp it is. So you need to be careful. So with the bigger ones, probably a pair of gloves, or you can be brave like me and do it in your bare hands and take it like a man and, man, it hurt. And if you're going to keep one and do it, dispatch it and put the fish on ice and bleed it, of course, because if you want to look after the fish to eat them, let's put them in the best possible quality. Let's keep them so that they taste delicious. And there's a little trick to it that works on some when you're filleting them, and it's a great thing. So you fill it down, so the only part from the butt down, from the start of the anal fin all the way down, is boneless on the fillet. So you run down there. The top section has a small line in the rib cage, and then you a small line of bones just on that. If you skin them out, and if you look on YouTube, there's a couple of ways you can do it. You can actually skin it out, and it only works on sand flatted and and was it sand flatted and duskies? I think it does. And you slide up. I think actually tiger flathead works as well. You can pull it up, and it'll pop all the bones out as well. So you get a perfectly boneless fillet, and then put it in beer batter. Oh my god, it is beautiful. Beer battered, fresh chips, couple of beers, sitting on the balcony, looking over the water. It is. That's what I did as a child. I still love it. Just in closing, let's talk about photography. Because flathead, they're hard to photograph. Keep a cup of the weed. But when you get those real big ones, you, first you've got to look after them. So if you get a really big one, you're going to get a photo. If you hold it flat, they don't, because they're not that big, they don't look good. So what you want to do is roll it on its side and get that full and or angle it down. So what you're trying to do is get the angle to get the maximum size of the fish. And if you go back on my Instagram, you can see over the years we've got some photos, some really good ones. Experiment with it. The great thing with flatties is they're very strong. So if you get a couple of photos, and I'm talking 30 seconds max out of the water, 15, 20 seconds is better, put it back in the net and let it sit in the water for a bit. And then you can pull it again. You've still got to remember it's a responsibility to look after these fish. So if you're going to kill it and eat it, you can get the photos but if you're going to let it go don't let it go if you've bloody kept out of the water too long so do the right thing look after it roll the fish over and get that nice angle always support its belly or hold it where it's upright but again supporting its belly so you can get that girth and that true size that flathead because going home with a photo of a big flathead and get the shots of release getting it holding it in the water these are even better sometimes have them holding it lip holding it and shooting down with the angle of looking up at you smiling these are shots that you keep for life. And when you do it with a great big flathead, put your camera on or even your phone and video it in slow-mo as it swims off. It makes it all worthwhile, that big dusky just swimming off. And then you can go home and eat a couple of smaller ones. How good is this? doesn't matter what you fish for. It's about catching it. It's about letting them go, keeping some for dinner. This is what it's all about. So there you have it. We are now up to a dozen we're talking a dozen and i'm under a year i said i'd do a dozen the first year i'm well ahead of myself this is unreal a dozen episodes of al mcglashan's podcast the best job in the world so the podcasts have come a long way we're almost god i think we've been going nine months now ten months so what i want is that feedback that is critical you tell me what you want and we'll do it do you want more interviews do you want celebrities no not really into that but anyway what do you want? Do you want more techniques? Do you want more political stuff? Do you want more, you know, fishing 
stories? Do you want photography, underwater? You just keep telling me what you want, and I do love the feedback, good, bad, and indifferent. It's all unreal. Because, of course, on top of that, we got the TV series, Fish with Mates. we got the docos coming out, social media. we got Instagram. We've got YouTube. We're building that up again. Oh, my God, it never ends. And, of course, Facebook, or Hatebook, depends how you want to look at it. You know, these are all parts, all ways you can access us and tell us what you like. And moving forward, other things you want to see us do. Because we'll keep making this bigger and better. So once again, thank you for listening to Al McGlashan's podcast. It is the best job in the world. I'm Al McGlashan. Yahoo!